Mr. Gorbachev teared down this wall. From Dallas, Texas, the flash, apparently official, President Kennedy died at 1 p.m. Central Standard Time, 2 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, some 38 minutes ago. For it seems now more certain than ever that the bloody experience of Vietnam is to end in a stalemate. This is as close as we can get to the base of the World Trade Center. You can see the firemen assembled here, the police officers, FBI agents, and you can see the two towers. A huge explosion now raining debris on all of us. We better get out of the way! I'm right, he's left. Let's talk about it. Alright guys, this is uh, going to be Ray's episode uh, tonight. Uh, he's going to kind of follow in my footsteps and shadow of Scientology. And uh, essentially just uh, we're going to you know quilt a big old blanket of Christianity and just lay it right on top of the Scientology book. And that's what he's going to talk about today. So go ahead and take it over, Ray. I mean, honestly, I got to talk about Scientology a little bit. We did. That's essentially what it boils down to. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, I didn't want to, like, take it away from you, but, like, yeah, it's exactly what it is. You take a Bible-thumping grandma quilt and a big old quilt with some scripture written on the front of it, and you just lay it on top of Dianetics, and that's what we're going to talk about. I mean, we were Scientology before Scientology was cool, so... <laughs> Hey, well, Scientology is the only religion that has its creator's words intact, motherfucker. What am I holding right here? (laughs) Recorded words. I can hear that motherfucker's voice. (laughs) I didn't disrespect your religion. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All right, so... Tonight we're going to talk about Gnosticism, and I, it was hard for me to find one book to go with first, so the only one that I could really think of is going to be boring as shit at first, because what we're going to do is really take the first half of Genesis and spread it the fuck out. So, tonight we're going to talk about the Apocryphon of John. It goes by several different names uh the apocryphon of john is the official title but the one everybody likes to call it is the secret book of john because it was left out of the canon of the bible because as you'll learn for obvious reasons it is it will sound a lot like heresy but it is very interesting and it literally takes the whole bible and flips it on its head so i have the book here with me I got a lot of stuff highlighted. I'm probably not going to read all of it. What I think I'm going to do is just kind of take it chapter by chapter and tell you what it basically says. And we're going to kind of talk about it and see how it relates to the official version of the Bible and kind of go from there. Sound good? Sounds good. All right. So the book of John or the Apocryphon of John, I should say, it is basically the creation story from Jesus' eyes. So what it goes into, boils down to, is 
after Jesus was crucified, he came back and went to John and basically kind of told them, told him how the world was created, how God came to be, what his purpose was here, and just kind of lays out everything to John. So it starts off with Jesus telling John who God, who the true God is, what the universe is, and Lily starts from there and goes on all the way through to Adam and Eve. So the first chapter is just John being there and Jesus comes up to him. Well, it starts with John talking to a Pharisee and the Pharisee asking him, hey, what happened to your savior? What happened to your teacher and all this and that? And John kind of started questioning everything and wondering, was what I told a lie or a truth? And then Jesus appears out of, literally out of nowhere and was like, you were a loyal follower. I'm going to lay out everything to you and how it really happened to kind of roll out all doubt. So he starts off talking about the what is called the one or the monad. And this, if you've ever talked to, if you're a Christian, if you ever talked to an atheist or anybody that's not a Christian, and I know I've used this argument, I know you've used this argument, if God created, created everything, who created God? And what the Gnostics have to say is there is something that created God and it's called the monad. So just some aspects of them. And you could take this into like a universal view of everything of God is just universe. And that's kind of what this boils down to. So the first part, part of this chapter says the one is a sovereign that has nothing over it. It is God and father of all the invisible one that is overall that is incorruptible, that is pure light which at which no eyes can gaze. And during creation, the one or the monad was just kind of just a thought. It was just a, literally just a thought. There was nothing there, but everything was there. Nothing was over it. Nothing was underneath it. It was just existence for existence sake. It had like no material aspect to it at all. So it can't, like, think of it as, like, just mind, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's just mind. Consciousness. Exactly. So, it's all that was, and just some, as, just kind of going on the mind topic of it. This is just some attributes that Jesus gave to it. It's illimitable, unfathomable, immeasurable, invisible, eternal, unutterable, unnameable. It says the one is immeasurable light, pure, holy, immaculate, unutterable, perfect, and incorruptibility. So it's really just a perfect thought. And then it goes into, it kind of realizing what it is. 
And it started thinking about what it is. And it ended up creating another being with it. And the other being was called Barbalo. And you can think of it as kind of male and female energy. Not like talking about like gender or anything like that. It's just you have male attributes and female attributes. And it goes into... I'm just going to read this little passage right here. It says, The father's thought became a reality, and who and she who appeared in the presence of the father, and shining light came forth. She is the first power who preceded everything and came forth from the father's mind as the forethought of all. Her light shines like the father's light. She is the perfect power, is the image of the perfect and the invisible virgin spirit. And the reason they say the invisible the invisible or the virgin spirit is because as you'll learn later on she goes on to create things herself but so yeah the reason like they called her the virgin spirit is because it was like the first female aspect to exist and everything from existence comes out of her and just some of the things they said about the Barbella was is she is the first thought, the image of the spirit. She became the universal womb for she precedes everything. The mother, father, the first human, the Holy Spirit, the triple male, the triple power, the Andromedist one with three names, the eternal realm among the invisible beings, the first to come forth. And then it just kind of goes more in depth on Barbalo kind of adding more human mind aspects to the whole universe. Like they go on to talk about foreknowledge, forethought, and stuff like that. And incorruptibility. Just kind of so, being the, the universe's other half. And I mean, also, like, you know, like. Like it's, it's hard to enough. it's hard to boil it down to like yeah. this is the male aspect, this is the female aspect. They come together to create. I mean, weirdly enough, the way I look at it is, you know, our last episode, right, of how the government should run. It's the male aspect is the this is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to do it. I'm going to keep shit running. I'm going to put the lubricant on the gears to keep the machine going. And the female aspect is like the state side of it. It's, oh, well, what about the social abuse? And right. you know what I'm saying? So it's almost that same aspect as one's there to keep it all afloat. The other is there to the creative side, the social side, the that entire aspect. Yeah, and you can also look into it like Father Time and Mother Earth kind of deals. Yeah. Mother and Earth is, creates things and Father Time keeps everything in order. Yeah. Which, I mean, honestly, that ties the one of the oldest adages and, you know, terminologies back all the way to this, because that really, truly is exactly what this is. Right. And if, I should have said this at the beginning, if anybody wants to read along or read it for yourself and follow along, kind of get like, our take on it and then go read it for yourself and come back and re- let's do it again 
to understand what we're talking about because this is such a huge mindfuck if you've never heard about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Especially from a Christian point of view. So, there's some other, other things I have highlighted here. Barbelo asked to be given in life eternal. Life eternal appeared and they stood together and glorified the invisible spirit of Barbelo. Because of her, they had come into being. She asked again to be given truth, and the invisible spirit consented. And it's just a lot of the whole consciousness of the world comes from Barbalo because she's asking for, let's have this. Like you were saying, a lot of social issues, like, let's have this, let's have that, let's do this, let's do that. And she asked for it, and the monad consents and lets it come into being. So, let's see. It goes on a little bit more about the Barbalo conceiving and a bunch of other aspects. And it comes down to the four, what they call the four luminaries. And it says, the four luminaries that derive from the self-conceived God gazed out in order to stand before it. The three beings are will, thought, life. The four powers are understanding, grace, perception, and thoughtfulness. And grace dwells in the eternal realm of the luminary, who is the first, I can't pronounce that word, but is the first angel. There are three other realms within this eternal realm, grace, truth, and form. The second luminary is for another name I can't pronounce, who has been anointed over the second eternal realm. There are three things, three other realms with it, afterthought, perception, and memory. The third luminary is for another name I can't pronounce, who is the appointed over the third eternal realm, and there are three other realms within it, understanding, love, and idea. The fourth eternal realm has been set up for the fourth luminary, Elilith. I can actually pronounce that one. There are three other realms within it, perfection, Peace and Sophia. So it kind of gives you more feminine aspects to the universe and the mind and all that. Now, Sophia is, I like to think of her as the Holy Spirit, if that makes sense. So the Monad and Barbalo is sitting there creating essentially. Like the actual realm. Mm-hmm. And just consciousness in general for the universe. And eventually it comes to Sophia. And Sophia is what the Gnostics think of as like Mother Earth. And love and all that. And it just so happens that Sophia is what created god of the bible so the before i get into uh, sophia's creation of the god of the bible i just want to kind of hit this topic beforehand so the gnostics think that the god of the bible is an evil demonic being and uh, and i'll get into this a little bit later to explain a little more but it's kind of a schizophrenic thought of Sophia. And so Sophia 
wanted to was sitting there and wanted to create something and didn't get consent from her male counterpart and unbeknownst to her it actually created something that and the Gnostics call that Yaldabaoth and Yaldabaoth is the god of the bible and it was like I said it's kind of a schizophrenic thought that shouldn't have come to be but end up being and Sophia realized that she created it and got scared and didn't want it to come come out and be true. So she hid it away and tried to hide it and left it on its own, kind of act like it didn't happen. And unbeknownst to her, it doesn't know what it is. And once and it just does what it knows to do and just create stuff so it's sitting there thinking that it's all alone and nothing to do and just sort of created everything creating what it thinks is true and tries to create the actual universe and ends up being an incomplete form incomplete thoughts and just become creating an imperfect universe, and that's the universe we are trapped in. So, where was I? I had another thing here I wanted to read out. So it says, when Sophia saw what her desire had produced, it changed into the figure of a snake with the face of a lion. Its eyes were like flashing bolts of lightning. She cast it away from her outside that realm so that none of the immortals could see it. She had produced an ignoranty. And says Yaldabaoth is the first ruler who took great power from his mother. Then she left her and moved away from the place where he was born. He took control and created for himself other realms with luminous fire, which still exists. He made it with the mindless in him and produced authorities for himself. So since he was hidden away and cast aside, he just starts creating and creating and creating within himself. So one imperfect thought starts creating many, many, many other imperfect thoughts, which turns into this imperfect world we live in today. And it, if you wanted to read it, it goes on to basically all of the creation story way too in depth for this episode. So I highly recommend y'all go read this for yourselves. and. It goes into him creating the world, him creating demons, and him creating a bunch of different realms you can go into. It's really, really fascinating to myself. It's just mind-blowing to me. <laughs> I don't know how you're feeling about it right now, but... Yeah, no, I mean, it, it really is. It's just... It's... Uh, it's a, it's it's a almost... lot to take in. It is a lot, and especially, you know, being a past youth pastor, that is hard sometimes to break out of that Christian perspective. Uh, even though I don't follow that religion anymore, it's really hard to break out of it. It's kind of ingrained. But it is, the way I look at it is almost like when a, like, the parent of a school shooter takes the stand. And it's like, I've created this horrible thing. 
I'm going to try to fix it now. And that's kind of the same mentality that I see. It's, oh shit, what did I do? I'm going to try to fix it. Yeah, so like, when I told you about this book that I was going to go on to it, I kind of recommended you to read it yourself too. And kind of just so that you have some background in it to like think about as I'm going over it, kind of give our own points of views. Mm-hmm. And I know this is probably going to sound really dry unless you're interested, but I just kind of want to read this a little bit. I've highlighted this chapter to kind of give you an aspect of who Yaldabaoth really is, who the, who the God of the Bible really is. So I read the first part that I highlighted, so I'm just going to kind of continue on here. It says, Yaldabaoth stationed seven kings, one of each sphere of heaven, to reign over the seven heavens, and five to reign over the depth of the abyss. He shared his fire with them, but he did not give any away of the power of the light that he had taken from his mother, for he is ignorant darkness. The gloomy ruler had three names, the first being Yaldabaoth, the second is Sakla, and the third is Samuel. So if y'all ever read any more Gnostic texts and you see those names, that's kind of who they're talking about. Because they, it's, it, all these were written over such a vast time period that they all had kind of different names for what they thought was going on. It says, Yaldabaoth has many faces, more than all of these, so that he could show whatever face he wanted when he was amongst the seraphim. He shared his fire with them and lorded it over them because of the glorious power he had from his mother's light. That is why he called himself God and defined the place from which he came. So, in the section above that kind of goes over kind of different archons that he created with him. And he's kind of like lesser gods in a way. And if y'all remember in the Bible, it says how God is a jealous God and all this is because he has so many different aspects with him that he created with from himself. So that's why he always says, I'm the one true God, because I created all of this, which he did. He created this world and this universe that we live in, but he's not, he's the lesser of everything above him. And it says, when he saw creation surrounding him and the throng of angels who, a throng of angels around him who had come forth from him, he said to them, I am a jealous God and there is no other God besides me. But by announcing this, he suggests that the angels with him, that there is another God. For if there was no other God, of whom would he be jealous? And remember, this is, like I said in the beginning, this is Jesus talking to John. So this is all coming from Jesus' mouth, too. So it goes on to where Sophia sees what's happening and try and realizes she can't fix it and wants to go and get help to control everything. And it says, so she realized that she was lacking something when the brightness of her light diminished. She grew dim because of her partner had not collaborated with her. It says the master thought and said, do not suppose that this is Jesus talking here. It says, the master laughed and said, do not suppose that it is, as Moses said, above the waters. No, when she recognized the wickedness that had occurred and the robbery of her son had committed, she repented. She became, she began to be ashamed. She did not dare to return. She was agitated. The agitation is the moving around. The arrogant one took power from his mother. He was, he was ignorant and he thought no one existed except his mother alone. 
So he knew who Sophia was. Yaldabaoth did. And mm-hmm. she's realized her mistake and is wanting to fix it. And it says, she repented with many tears. The whole realm of fullness heard her prayer of repentance and offered praise on her behalf to the invisible virgin spirit and the spirit consented. When the invisible spirit consented, the Holy Spirit poured upon her some of the fullness of all. She was taken up not to her own eternal realm, but to a position above her son. She was to remain in the ninth heaven until she restored what was lacking in herself. So she kind of re- went back to the monad and said, hey, I fucked up. And what can I do? And then he was kind of like, well, you created this problem. It's yours to fix. So we're going to station you here and just kind of watch over everything and try to intervene where you can to kind of make sure everything's still stable. <laughs> yeah, make sure it doesn't implode. Right. So then it goes on to saying how the humans appeared. And it says, a voice called from the exalted heavenly realm. The human exists and the human child. The first ruler, Yaldabaoth, heard the voice and thought it came from his mother. He did not realize its source. And it says, Yaldabaoth said to the authorities with him, Come, let us create a human being after the image of God and with a likeness to ourselves so that this human image may give us light. They created through their respective powers according to the features that were given to them. Each of the authorities contributed a physical feature corresponding to the figure of the image they had seen. They created the being like the perfect first human and said, let us call it Adam. That is a name that its name may give us a power of light. So the powers began to create. So you remember whenever it is said, let us create man in our our own image Mm -hmm. in the creation story. That is who he's talking to. So he's talking to all the archons and all the angels and demons that he created trying to create man and it was kind of like I said before it's kind of Sophia's idea too because she was sitting there talking and saying hey I need to figure out a way to get my power back and he just she just kind of said hey create something keep going trying to pull mm-hmm. its power out of the you know, into something else that she can take control of yeah I mean, it's really, I don't know, it's its weird, too, because when you read the Bible, you know, like I know we both have, you sit here and you talk about these things and these common phrases that they use, and it's like, it just, it really reads back to, you know, these books that are left out and how it's crazy to me that we went this far but leaving them out, they almost said it's hearsay, but it's like, it's heresy, and it's ridiculous to me, because it's like, every word in the Bible corresponds to these. Yeah, and it's, and there's so many more that we just don't have. Like, at the end of Adam's creation story, it says, I just want to read this one of the passages, it says, and this is after all the other aspects kind of helped create Adam. It says this is the number of angels in all. There were 365 different angels to help create Adam. It says they all worked together until limb by limb, the physical and material body was completed. Now there are others over the remaining passions, and I have not told you about them. 
And then it says right here, if you want to know more about them, the information is recorded in the book of Zoroaster. We have never found that book. And like, there's a theory that there's 777 books that were written about Christianity. And we have in the Protestant Bible 54 and in the Orthodox Catholic Bible, we have 60 something, 62, I think. There's over 700 more books out there that we just haven't found. And I still think they're in the Vatican Library, in my opinion. And until we can get access to that, we'll never know the whole story behind Christianity in and of itself. And that's kind of why it's such a weird religion at the end of the day. It's because we just don't have all the information. We have a, a fraction of a fraction of it. And yeah, I think that's... I mean, it- that- and I think that's kind I mean, of why everybody has an issue with it. <laughs> and, I mean, it really is one of those, why would the Vatican Library and the Catholics release them? Because the second they do, this completely crumbles everything that they have created their empire on. Right. They really pick and chose to make sure that they stayed okay. Yeah, exactly, and that's over 2,000 years of it. And now this next part, I'm not going to read the whole thing. It's just kind of talking about how after everything was said and done, they created Adam, that he was just a lifeless body with nothing, no animation or nothing. And it goes on to say how since Sophie is the one looking over everything, try to try to stop what's happening and trying to pull all the power out of Yaldabaoth it goes into saying that she kind of nudged Yaldabaoth into a direction of of giving him the giving Adam the breath of life so in the bible where it says God breathed into Adam and gave him life this is where that came from it was Sophia saying hey breathe some of your spirit into him and it'll, he will become animated and become alive and he did, and realized he fucked up. He got he got played, and he got tricked into doing this. So after that, it goes into the imprisonment of humanity, and it goes into saying where he, from that point, he put Adam in the Garden of Eden to kind of watch over him until he could figure out what to do with him. And one part. I want to read just because it was it, it shook me to my core whenever I read this because it's kind of a thought I've always had that I just can never figure out. It says, but the rulers lingered in front of what they call the tree of knowledge and of good and evil, which is the enlightenment afterthought, so that Adam might not behold his fullness and recognize his shameful nakedness. And then it says, Jesus said, but I was the one who induced them to eat. So he was kind of saying, uh, let me just continue on a little bit. It says, I said to the Savior, Master, was it not the snake that instructed Adam to eat? It says, the Savior laughed and said, the snake instructed them to eat of the wickedness of sexual desire and destruction so that Adam might be of use to the snake. This is the one who knew Adam was disobedient because of the enlightened afterthought within Adam which made Adam stronger of mind than the first ruler 
the first ruler wanted to recover the power that he had himself had possessed or had passed on to Adam. So he brought deep sleep upon Adam. And that's when he starts to create Eve. But it was Jesus saying he was the one in the garden introducing Adam to Eve. Because it says in other books that Jesus was just, he was the son of God, but not of the same God that everybody else thinks he is. He was the son of Sophia. And he was there to kind of help out as the Holy Spirit to nudge Adam and Eve to eat of the apple, to kind of to remember who they were. Because in the next section, it talks about the creation of Eve and where it, and it says that Yaldabaoth was distraught of how powerful Adam was and how he was more powerful than Yaldabaoth himself because Sophia helped create Adam to pull the power out of Yaldabaoth. And when he realized what he had done, he created Eve to split the powers that Adam had. And that's, in my mind, that kind of goes into the whole aspect of you have a twin soul as your soulmate because from the very beginning you were ripped apart into two and your whole life is trying to find your other half to create one again. And that's just kind of my mindset of it. I don't know what you think on it, but... Yeah, I mean, it's uh, always being in the rat race. You know, it's always being in the race to feel complete and it's almost how i see christianity is it's the race to feel complete right so this next part is it's kind of a disturbing part for some of y'all out there more than it already is but if y'all have ever had experienced any kind of sexual assault, this is probably the part you want to skip over. But the next part's called Y'all to Bayleth Defiles Eve. So I'll just kind of read some of the highlighted parts I have here. It says, When Y'all to Bayleth realized that humans had withdrawn from him, he cursed his earth. He threw the humans out of the paradise and cloaked them in the thick darkness. And so when the forethought of all this of all realized this, she dispatches em- emissaries and they stole life out of Eve. The first ruler defiled Eve, produced in her two sons, a first and a second, Elohim and Yahweh. Elohim has the face of a bear, Yahweh has the face of a cat. One is just and the other is unjust. He placed Yahweh over fire and wind, and he placed Elohim over water and earth, so the four elements. Called them by their names Cain and Abel, with a view to deceive. To this day, sexual intercourse has persisted because of the first ruler. Through intercourse, the first ruler produced duplicate bodies, and he blew some of his false spirit into them. He placed these two rulers over the elements so that they might rule over the, the cave. When Adam came to know the counterpart of his own foreknowledge, he produced a son like a human child. He called him Seth. The human beings were made to drink water of forgetfulness by the first ruler so that they might not know who they who they had come from. So 
I don't know about y'all, but whenever I was reading the Bible back in the day, I always wondered whatever happened to Cain and Abel. Well, Abel was murdered by Cain, but like whatever happened to Cain. And it makes you, at least it made me think that something was missing and they didn't want to talk about it. And after the whole Cain and Abel story, you never heard anything from about them ever again. And it all it went straight to Seth. And that's because after reading this, you I learned that Seth was the first true human and the first good production of two humans creating. And I mean God raped Eve and created Cain and Abel. And that's why they were such complete opposites and Pure, at least at least for Kane's aspect of pure evil. <laughs> I mean, there's just no yeah. real way to, to put it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there really isn't. I mean, it's just pure, you know. And they're both each side of the spectrum. One is pure good, one's pure evil. And they had to, you know, that was created from somewhere. That mentality was created somewhere. So it makes sense that this is how it's created. Yeah, and uh, one of my theories is because I've read so many other books is uh, I think I remember right. It goes kind of goes into this a little bit more, but I know it does go into more about it in a later in a different book of Noah's Ark. And my theory was that all the evil in the world that God tried to rule out of this world quote unquote was of the Seth line of lineage and the quote unquote good one was from this Cain's lineage because there was more people on the earth whenever Cain, Cain was cast out and in the, in the Bible it was talking about how Cain was worried about, hey, if they learn about what I did to Abel, they're going to kill me. And then God put the mark of Mark upon Cain to show that, hey, if you kill him, whatever you do to him is going to be sevenfold against you. And I think that people God was trying to roll out because it wasn't of him was a Sethian line. That's just kind of my thought. But at the end of it, that's pretty much most of it, and it kind of goes more into depth of with this knowledge of what do I do, and it was going on reading that back up a little bit it goes, he goes on to human destiny and like what is heaven, what is hell, what is what's beyond here and it was kind of going into at least from my collective knowledge is what I got from it is the Gnostics kind of believed in their whole thing is learn about what this world is learn what the whole point of existence is you know what's what's, what's the point of life and Jesus going on saying that you're 
There's nothing you can do about your existence. You weren't supposed to quote unquote exist in the first place. So just figure out what you are. Never stop learning what your pur- what your purpose here is, what life itself is. Learn as much as you can. And if you can reach kind of what the Buddhists call Nirvana and Zen and all that, you know, figure out who you are. And if you can do that, figure out what everything is, what the meaning of life is on a spiritual realm, that's all you can do. And try to realize that you're a part of everybody is one. Everybody kind of exists together. You're all part of the same thing. And be good to one another. Never cheat anybody else. Never hurt anybody else. Because if you do, you're hurting yourself. And until you realize that, you're stuck in this prison of humanity. And until you figure it out, you're just going to keep coming back. The only way to escape from this universe and existence is to figure out that you're more than this existence. You're more than your physical body. And until you figure that out, reincarnation's a thing, and you're going to keep coming back until you figure it out, and you can break away. So essentially, just Scientology with that Christian quail laid over there. <laughs> we figured it out first. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, but like you got this like weird narrator and this schizophrenic thought, and like mine just you know got one dude that likes science fiction. I mean, just from my history of it, is that's already what I kind of it took me damn near 10 years to figure it out, but eventually that's kind of what I got to anyway. is the Bible isn't the whole story and like, I like to compare this to like what you were saying, like the religion of the universe and now God's universe. I kind of already figured that out and I had already thought, always thought to begin with how the God of the Bible is evil and thinking that, you know, they say Jesus is the light of the earth and all this and that, but, the devil was angel of light. I kind of, kind of put the two and two together thinking that, Hey, maybe they're kind of the same person. So if Jesus is good, then the devil has to be good. And he kind of rebelled and you rebelled against God for a reason. And mm-hmm. I kind of figured all that stuff out before I even found this. And it's kind of just put all the pieces together and put a name behind it. Yeah. It's, you know, I don't want to say this because I don't want to take away from your viewpoint on it, but almost like confirmation bias. You know, it's like, this is exactly yeah, I mean, what I believe in. Now I read it and it's like, okay, this is actually what I believe in. Yeah, it's like, I lost my words there, but it's what I already knew. And it takes a Christian story to put something behind that to make it easier for people to understand. And that's kind of just kind of why I gravitated toward to begin with is just because it's familiar. It's what I already believed. And if that's just something I can put a name behind, I'll roll with it. 
because mm-hmm. it's what I already knew. It's a lot. It's what a lot of people already know. So. Yeah, I mean, I'm really excited to learn like all the books of this because, you know, Genesis being, be honest, just boring. And it has, it really has no like narrative behind it either. No, because they cut all the narrative out. (laughs) But like with this, like, and looking at it, it's cool seeing the thing where most of America was taught a certain way. And this just completely turns it on turns it on its head. And I don't know, I'm, I'm very excited because, you know, this is going to be an ongoing series for you. And I'm very excited to see exactly where it goes and what I can learn from it. And the, you know, like I've said in past podcasts, uh, I love the psychology of mine and I love that aspect of a lot of things of the train of thoughts and looking at things under a new perspective. And I'm excited. I'm excited to see the entire Christian faith through a different perspective. If that makes sense. Yeah. And I think the next book I'm going to go on with is the apocalypse of Adam. Just be kind of, kind of, falls in the timeline and it's uh it's basically a creation story from adam's point of view and he's basically te- he's telling seth hey this is who i am this is who your mom is this is what happened to us this is where you come from and it also goes into the whole noah's ark story about how well, i was explaining earlier they're like flipping it on its head essentially too and explaining how that actually happened because everybody always another like atheist uh, trope is like how can you fit every animal on the earth onto that and not have them die and eat each other like how it makes no sense but it brings light to that situation explains it how it actually worked and how it happened and I think it's just a good part two to this and Mm. if if you've made it through this, if you, I should have said this at the beginning, but if you could find all this stuff on uh, Gnosis.org, you can find the, all these books on there and read for yourself for free. And I'll link that in the description. So y'all can check it out yourself too. And take my boiled down story and like read the whole thing. It's, it's a long text. It's one of the longer ones. So that's why I didn't want to read it cover to cover because it will get boring. It does get boring. Yeah, this second, it's hard. This it's second, hard to follow. Uh, <laughs> this second time we've re, uh, actually recorded this episode. Not gonna lie, and the first time was you know, well, I'm gonna read it because it's hard to put it in my own perspective. But then reading it was okay. We need a we need a perspective view of it. <laughs> yeah, like there's other ones that's a lot shorter that I can read to cover to cover and it make a lot more sense. But like I feel. It's. I think it'd be good for you to read it yourself, because there's yeah. a lo- there's a lot to it. Also, get your own takeaways. Get your own. You know, there's going to be points that we read into that we're going to emphasize. Even between the two of us, you know, we can both read this exact same book cover to cover, and you're going to have a completely different takeaway, completely different key points than I have, and. 
we probably don't even realize that each other's perspectives exist. Right. So, see, read this it is, by yourself. And this is one of the last ones I read too, and I should have started here. So, because like it's literally the beginning, and literally you, the beginning. Yeah, because like I've I stumbled upon it, and I can't remember where I started, but I kind of jumped around a lot, and it it's hard to get take it away a lot of stuff a lot of points from doing it that way. So whenever we decided to do this series, I was kind of looking into like, hey, what's the best way to start if you're new to this? And the, apoc- the Apocrypha Bond of Adam, or sorry, the Apocalypse of John and the Gospel of Thomas is like the two best places to start. And the Gospel of Thomas is just, it's a list of different sayings that Jesus said over time kind of explaining it the whole world aspect to him in a broad view and this one's more narrowed down like hey from the beginning of time this is what happened till now <laughs> yeah versus one two skip a few 99 yeah because like what I did was I literally just copied and pasted from gnosis.org into word got rid of the double spacing Reduce it down to 16 point font to make it easier to read on paper, and it still ended up being 27 pages long. <laughs> so, y'all check that 27 link 27 pages of exactly, you know, new information that completely goes against everything that you've ever been taught. Right. So, check that link out, read it for yourself, and then, no, if you wanted somebody to discuss it with, just reach, reach out to us on Twitter and all those links will be in the description too. Hell, talk to us about it. We'll we'll spitball yeah. with you. Yeah, I mean, respond to Q and A's. Uh, and also, you know, something I said during the first take of recording this that you know I really do, and I said during Scientology as well is, you know, if you have different views or if you're very strongly Catholic. You're very strongly evangelical Christian. You're very strongly Muslim. Or Jewish, too, because this is the Jewish story of creation, too. It's, if that's the case, listen, you know, listen to the whole series. Read the books yourself. At the end of it, I want to invite you on. I want to have a discussion. I don't want to have an argument. I want to have a discussion. I want to see how your mind works, how your perspective let you come up with a different outcome than our perspective. And that's from every religion topic I do. And, you know, right now I'm on Scientology and I'm going to be on that for a while. But, you know, if I can ever put that one to bed, just like if you can ever put the Gnostic uh, text to bed, I'm sure we're going to jump into different religions after that. And I really want to be able to embrace... Embrace the differences between all of us. Yeah, because I think I brought this up in our religion episode, just an overview of religion, but there's thousands of different religions out there, and in my point of view, is they're all tools to figure out what we are and who we are and what's the meaning of life. And whatever tool you find works better in your hands, take it and run with it. We're all still, we're all here trying to find 
we're all trying to figure out what's going on and what is happens after after we die or where we came from and all that. And this is just another tool, and it may be a exactly. different it may be a different take than what you were taught, but if that's what it takes, yeah, to make and, to make uh, you sleep better at night. I mean, also, be open to new ideas. Yeah, let's just all sit here and figure it out together. Yeah, I mean, because the way I look at it is a new idea today could be your new identity tomorrow. Right, because even going back to the Bible itself, the story of Tower of Babel, like, they literally built a tower to try to reach God to figure it out for themselves, and it got struck down and everybody got scattered. And hell, if it took us 2,000 years to come back, and or over 2,000 years to come back and figure it out again and it's what it takes let's put all of our collective minds together and figure it out mm-hmm. so, so I guess uh, I guess we'll kind of leave it off here and let you uh, do a little bit more of your research and with these religion episodes I do kind of you, you will see that they're aren't going to be these super long drawn out episodes. I do want it to be very short and sweet. And the reason behind that is I don't want to hit you with mounds and mounds of information to make you have an existential crisis. The second we say our goodbyes, you know, I I want you to be able to get them in small doses because even, you know, between, yeah, I feel like we really started with the two best ones. The, Scientology and the Gnostic text is this completely could change your entire viewpoint of the world. Yeah. And I want you to be able to consume it and process it the best way you can. Yeah, because I mean, Scientology is kind of the joke religion of the world right now, and nobody really knows what it is unless you're in it. And then you got the Gnostics, they were literally genocided out of existence for all intents and purposes from the from the church itself to get their point of view out and like i said there's over 700 more books out there that nobody knows exists nobody knows what they say nobody knows where they're at and let, except the catholic church and until we can get them in our hands and read them for ourselves we're all still trying to figure this out together and i'd it's they're both of these religions are so far out that nobody knows what they are. So I mean, literally taking it into our own hands and figuring it out for, for ourselves. And, and for it, you guys. yeah, and if y'all aren't convinced, and it takes you to some research yourselves, do it. Don't let anybody stop you. This is your world. This is your one life. For as far as we know, that don't cut yourself short with just what's been given to you. Never stop questioning things. If you come across something that doesn't make sense to you or it's something new to you, follow the rabbit hole. It'll lead somewhere. Exactly. I mean, like you said, you know, Scientology is kind of a joke religion. No one really knows what it is. And I got one chapter in and literally called you. One chapter in called you and went, holy fuck, I get it. Right. You know, and that's something that when, you know, we brought up this idea and we both kind of ran with it, 
we uh, told you I was going to do Scientology. I was going to read the book, and we both laughed. We were making jokes about it. We were hardcore, just oh man, this is going to be hilarious. We're going to find all the bullshit, and then literally thirty five seconds in, oh fuck, I get it. I, I get, I get, I get where they got him. I like, <laughs> I understand it. And there's something you know, to this. <laughs> on a reality, it's. You know, the more and more I read, the deeper and deeper I dive into it. Do I think at the end of the day, I'm going to, at the end of this series, am I going to convert to Scientology? No. But I'm also going to have a better understanding and a better respect of it. And again, tools, you know, religion is a tool to me. Religion is, I I used to refer to it as a crutch, but now I almost, I, I refer to it as a tool because life is scary. Death is scary. Not knowing what comes next is scary. Do I think that the religion is whether or not you believe in somebody is what's going to get you through? No, I think it's more on a good and evil spectrum. And be completely honest, like I said, death is scary. It's the scariest thing and the also one of the only things that we all have in common. Yeah, and I want to just put this out there too is Yes, death is scary. It's something we're all going to experience, but life's a journey. Don't think about the finish line. It's not, it's not point. It's, you're not racing to point B. Enjoy the journey to get there. Yeah. We're all just Latin and McQueen, and, you know, life is a highway. Exactly. <laughs> Another tool. <laughs> yeah. I think, guys, just, uh, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say that probably cut it here and look for in two Mondays from now. Or that's when we record, but two weeks from now expect the next book that I'm gonna go into. Yeah. It might be Apocrypha and, John uh, or Apocryph- Apocalypse of Adam. I don't know yet. I might change my mind, but yeah, you'll figure it out when we publish it. <laughs> <laughs> and then and uh, I might talk about the gospel of Judas for all I know. <laughs> Whatever speaks out to me in the next two weeks. And then uh, next week, uh, it's my time to try to convert all eight of you guys into Scientology. And, you know, who knows? We could be ruling the world in a week if we all convert. So, hey, I, look I, got, I, I got the solo cups if you got the Kool-Aid. <laughs> <laughs> now all we got to do is buy some land in South America and we'll be set. <laughs> but... Good night, everybody. Again, uh, be good or be good at it, and stay informed. You're not alone out here. And just always check the description. I'll have a bunch of links down there. Check them out. Follow us everywhere you find us, and read these books for yourselves. Don't let your pastor talk you out of it. This is your life. It's your, it's your one and only life, as far as we know. So, learn for yourself. Don't let anybody preach to you. Just. There's a whole world out there just waiting for you to find it. So, y'all have a good night. Good night, everybody.